0: Everyone, Tom Salemi here. Welcome back to the MedTech Talk podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hear a lot about AI and machine learning and where it's fitting into MedTech. Our guest today is uh, someone who's been thinking about these issues for a very long time. His name is Michael Abramoff. He is a physician and ophthalmologist. And he is the president and co-founder of IDX, uh, the company that is building an AI-based tool to help diagnose diabetic retinopathy. The, uh Michael's story is, uh, is a familiar one in, uh, in ophthalmology and in med tech where you've got a physician who's practicing who sees a shortcoming that uh, they just don't find acceptable. And they come up with a, uh, a novel way to, uh, to develop a new tool that will help alleviate or help solve the problem that they're, uh, they're frustrated with. So Michael had this revelation 20 years ago, began working on AI then. Now uh, the company is moving forward close, they hope, to getting uh, FDA approval for their uh, diagnostic system. And uh, they've got some uh, interesting support, including a, a deal with IBM. So they're gaining a lot of traction, traction in a space that's drawing great interest from uh, from tech companies. So I hope you enjoy Michael Abramoff's story. IDX is one of those uh, cool companies that I think is uh, is leading the way. And uh, I think we'll be seeing and hearing a lot more about AI in the future. So uh, please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Michael Abramoff, President and Director of IDX. Well, Dr. Michael Abramoff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. So uh, we'll get into uh, your company and your, your practice and, and artificial intelligence in a few minutes, but I always like to take, uh, take some time just to understand how our guests found the way to do what they do. How do you find your way into uh, into ophthalmology?
1: So yeah, great question. So when I came out of high school, I was went into college, obviously, or what, what is called medical school in where I came from, the Netherlands. Uh, and I was always interested in, in in both in computer science and and medicine. But at the time, it was really hard to combine these two interests. They're very far apart, much much more than than now even. And when I um, discovered something called neural networks. That was really exciting to me because, at the time, we were trying to mimic parts of the brain with computers. Uh, This research led me to Japan where I was able to extend it and and soon also realizing that, at the time, the hardware and the computing power was just not enough to really mimic uh, brain tissue. That led me, um, you know, doing research in Japan, through France, where I became really group of people developing software with user interfaces, which was sort of based on, on this research. Eventually back into medicine, um, I was interested in microsurgery. Ophthalmology is a great profession if you, if you like images and, and the brain and, and microsurgery. So I did an ophthalmology residency. Then in ophthalmology, the retina is really the most exciting type of surgery for me at least. And so I did a vitreoretinal uh, surgical fellowship um,
0: Did you always know you're going to find your way back into medicine th- over those stints in, in Japan and whatnot? Did you know ultimately you'd be a, a medical doctor of some kind?
1: No, I, I thought I, 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 you know, was going to be happy doing this type of research, uh, being a scientist, being uh, in software. It turned out to be, you know, a bit limited because I, I really, again, I was always trying to combine the two, and it really never worked out. And so when I was a, you know, in my fellowship and even before my residency. Uh, One thing that I realized uh, was seeing all these people with diabetes. And now as an aside, you need to know that diabetic retinopathy, which is a complication of diabetes, is the most feared um, uh, complication of uh, people with diabetes, and it's the most important cause of blindness. And it's almost entirely preventable if you catch it early. The problem is that it doesn't cause symptoms until much later, and so these people, Need to be examined by a retinal specialist or an eye care provider, really, um, to make sure they don't have any type of this disease, uh, because they won't have symptoms early on, and you can still treat them. So, but I discovered I was essentially seeing two types of 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 patients with diabetes. Some who had nothing at all, and I will just tell them, "Welcome back in a year." And the others where it was too late, and they will already have very bad complications from the diabetes and the diabetic retinopathy, where We did surgery, but there was really very little recovery of vision possible anymore. And so I realized, well, you know, maybe we can do better here and maybe what I did in computer science and and artificial intelligence and neural networks can be of help. That's not 20 years ago, so it's a long road because from there on, um, you do scientific research and you realize, well, it can indeed be done and these these type of systems can be as good as, as me as a retinal specialist. Uh, But from publishing scientific papers, uh, getting, you know, coming to the U.S. here in Iowa, getting uh, grants from the National Institutes of Health, the National Eye Institute, to eventually inventions and patents, and then moving on to actually bring this to to patients, uh, including doing big studies, big clinical trials to get uh, FDA clearance, is a long route, which took 20 years, as I was saying. We're almost, almost at the end.
0: How were those ideas met? uh received early on uh, did did people see the potential or or was it that it require quite a sales job to uh to get some support
1: um it was uh, an interesting journey i mean early on people ignored it i mean the, the definitely the ophthalmology community uh, ignored it eventually they started becoming concerned about uh, job security and, and so what happened, there was an actual editorial uh, where I was titled The Retinator, this was in 2010. And uh, so that was, uh, that was interesting. It was, uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek, but still it, it, it meant something. But, but when I actually started discussing this and, and presenting uh, the data and where we were going at scientific conferences and clinical conferences of ophthalmologists, it became very clear that there you know there was no concern because many of these people never saw an ophthalmologist, and and now they will be, be be seen and actually have disease diagnosed which then needs to be treated. And for that you definitely need an ophthalmologist. I mean, they're the ones you know were trained to do that. So that that went away once everyone understood what was going on and what was going to happen. and now the ophthalmology community is a very strong supporter of this type of approach of uh, artificial intelligence diagnostics.
0: Yeah, that, that would seem to be a natural uh, process of things. First, the lack of understanding, then fear, and then sort of a, mm-hmm. an acceptance. So uh, that, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How how do you define AI? I mean, it, we're hearing about it so much, and it's it's. I'm sure it's changed over time, and I'm sure it's it's evolved over time. But when when talking to other physicians, I mean, what it, give us the, your 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 ten dollar definition of of AI and how it fits into medtech and ophthalmology.
1: I think uh, for me, uh, there's, there's several definitions of AI floating around. One of them is everything we are not able to do yet with computers, and as soon as we can do it, it's not AI anymore, but a user interface or a database. I mean, what Oracle did many years ago was considered AI at the time, but I think it's it's things that uh, require um, human expertise, uh, thinking, and and training. And and I think diagnostics is a very good example of that. You cannot do that by, you know, coming out of high school. You need to be trained for many, many years to do this type of thing. And if you then, uh, for a very limited, specific task, uh, teach a computer to do that, that for me is artificial intelligence. So there's, there's another field which is general artificial intelligence, which is really trying to mimic humans, how they think and how they behave. That's not what, what this is about. This is about... You take the specific tasks uh, that are highly reproducible and automate
0: them. And and is it how how prevalent is it now nowadays in uh, in medtech and in in ophthalmology to have this sort of uh, I guess this sort of capability? Is it is it becoming more commonplace? Is are we just starting to see this emerge?
1: Well, we're definitely early on. I mean, uh, FDA has not cleared any AI uh, that directly interfaces with uh, the patients. And so we consider ourselves in the lead. And, you know, maybe you heard that, but we expect to get clearance uh, early spring next year. We finished our clinical trial two months ago. And and so we're very optimistic that we will get clearance and we will be the first. And so that's, it's a very exciting period. I mean, we have been cleared in Europe for a few years and as have some competitors. But uh, I think there will be uh, uh, a very exciting time when, when, when the general public sees that this can be done and that it can be safe because the opportunities for driving down costs are enormous and you know idx was founded to drive down costs in healthcare that's that's the whole goal it's not you know to make nice tools for shiny tools for commissions it's it's to drive down costs which we desperately need i think
0: well let's talk about the process how did you come to decide to start idx um idx came um
1: out of a realization that um, you know what my scientific research showed was that it could be done, meaning you couldn't do this specific task of diagnosing diabetic retinopathy from images with a computer, at least as good as a human as it actually better, uh, you know we have shown in several studies. Um, and then the next step is how do you get this to patients and And then you realize that FDA clearance is required, and uh, a lot more beyond that, because it needs to get reimbursed and there needs to be a payment. And that means you need to have a, a viable business model, and that means you need to look at you know how is this paid for? What do we need to 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 have the the team and the people to actually make this a product? And so that uh, that is what IDX is about. And then you want a a goal for the company. And it was from the start clear for me that that driving down costs in healthcare um, is, is crucial. Um, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I'm a patriots um I'm, I'm very much considered as my adopted country, and I think it's a big problem and leading to a lot of political grief uh, that uh, healthcare is so expensive, and if you drive down that cost, you know, many of these debates will just melt away because, you know, it's just a small percentage of our expenses rather than a large part as it is now, it's almost 20%, right, of our GDP. And so, um, and then additionally, I was interested in, well, what's going on? in the economics of healthcare. And if you look at uh, something very important, which is what makes us also so rich of a society, is the productivity gains over the last 150 years. I mean, farming, and it's very visible around me here in Iowa, uh, where, you know, 150 years ago, you needed many farmers. What you can now do with, with a single farmer, uh, and that's the same case in car factories and manufacturing and everywhere, banking, uh, finance, anything, really, you have seen these... Giant increases productivity over the last 150 years that has been a relentless and continuous. It's still continuing that we increase in productivity and that creates wealth. Um, and we don't see that in, in health care. In fact, when you look at uh, numbers from Bureau of Labor Statistics and I've you know, presented the data even 10 years ago, uh, you can see that the productivity in healthcare, unlike unlike everywhere, everywhere else, is going down. I'm actually seeing as a physician fewer patients than I was 10 years ago. And there's reasons for that. One big reason is electronic health records, which have now been shown to drive down productivity. So where every every industry around us, you know, outside of healthcare, is focused on increasing productivity and driving down costs everywhere. Uh, Healthcare is actually losing every year. And so, you know, rather than, it's not even staying the same, it's getting worse. And so that drives up cost. I mean, if I keep seeing fewer and fewer patients for the same amount of money, that means that for each each patient I see, the cost goes up. And so, we need to do something about increasing productivity. Automation is the obvious choice, but you can use automation in a, in a good way, and I think what IDH is doing in terms of automating AI-based tasks uh, is a good way of doing it. It actually makes me as a physician more productive. I can see more patients now uh, versus some other things like an electronic health records where which may be very attractive for other reasons but definitely drive down drive costs there's a lot of research supporting and uh, supporting that and showing evidence for that
0: so the productivity comes in the use in your office or, or is it or the savings does it come in with the, with making you more productive or does the savings come in and avoiding the, the the blindness that comes with undiagnosed diabetic retinopathy because you're getting at patients earlier and you're enabling them to understand that they have a problem earlier on in their disease uh, Cycle.
1: Yeah, good question. Actually both, but let me go into detail about both. So it, it drives down costs because what I do as a specialist, we can now do in primary care. And primary care is where these people with diabetes are. They need to be referred to me to see me, and they normally wouldn't. So someone with diabetes, they will see their primary care doctor, or their family care doctor, or their you know, their medicine doctor, or their chronologist. They, they will be there because that's that's what they need for the diabetes. To, to go all the way to an eye care provider, you know, most of them, in fact, less than fifty percent do, and so I'm essentially what I do as a retinal specialist is now being done by a computer right in the office of the primary care where the patient already is, and and instead of me sitting there in that office waiting for patients, it's the computer doing it for me, so I can do other things, including treating the patients that actually have disease, which I you know I expect more to see more of them because we we will. Screen and detect more of these people with disease, people with diabetes with disease. So that's one aspect. The productivity gains are because my what I do in specialty care is replaced by the primary care doctor having this type of device, this type of AI. Um, and then uh, there's another aspect which is harder to 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 quantify, which is. If someone goes blind from diabetes and it's prevented before, we, because we catch it early and treat it, of course the treatment has a cost, but there's a lot of cost avoided if someone just goes go, and go blind. There's something called cost-effective analysis, but it's a it's uh it's a hard and tough subject. So the, you know we and others are doing scientific studies on that, but it's not as hard as easy to quantify as the cost savings on the other end, where I'm replaced by. An algorithm, and primary care doctors are doing
0: that. so what what was the process like getting this far with the fda? how How has that road been?
1: Um, a, a very interesting road. Uh, the, the fda is 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 of course concerned about safety and we are concerned about patient safety. Um, we started almost seven years ago, if I remember correctly, and so we started discussing them, well, you know we have this algorithm. How can we get it uh, how can we get it to patients? How can we get it cleared? And we, there was a lot of back and forth initially because they had never looked at this type of technology before. AI was then really, really new in diagnostics, and 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 we had never, uh, you know, worked with a with HCC like FDA. So there was there was some back and forth and getting used to each other and, and, and why we were doing certain things and why they placed certain demands on us. And so slowly they began to to converge. And in the last few years, it's been very collaborative, where you know they, re- you know, the FDA. Many complain about it, and, 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 and but you know, there's there's uh, very good things coming out, very good thoughts and ideas coming out of it, which I think made this what you know what IDX has now It's is partly because of all these interactions with FDA, and so we were able to convince them of, of, of you know the safety of that it can be done, and what technology can and cannot do, and how maybe to test it, and they explain to us how they see this type of device fitting in practice and where it should be, and how it should be explained, and so. These are all, you know, things where we converge now, very comfortable with with, with what what the FDA is demanding for, to see from us and why we did the clinical trial in the first place to to show to FDA in an independent, objective fashion that that is that is safe.
0: And over that time, the uh, over the seven years that you've been sort of engaging with the FDA, I have to think at that point, at the very start, you, if we weren't alone, at least you were you were among the leaders. You're definitely among the leaders in this space. Seven years. Fast forward seven years. You've got Google and other major tech players looking into into healthcare. I know you've got a, a deal also with with IBM. but how is this resurg- resurgence or 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 um, um, rising interest from tech giants affected your company? And and how do you think it uh, will help you or hinder you in the future?
1: Well, it's it's an exciting time indeed because you know years ago, you know. I and a few others were, were working on this almost in isolation, and then you have a harder time, um, for example, investors saying, you know, how oh, what is this going What is this about? And now that's, that you have a much easier job with, with that type of, type of thing because Google and Apple are entering the space. It must be must be exciting and there must be, you know, something going on there. So that it's helpful in a way. Uh, definitely there's much more awareness now about AI and the possibilities in medicine. There's probably a you know, a newspaper article or an issue on, on the news every week now about AI and replacing doctors. Um, but, you know, we have been in it so long and so diligently and so deeply um, that, you know, my p- perspectives may be a, a bit different. So it's it's exciting that there's more attention on now, but we're just, you know, chugging along, doing what we need to do with FDA, with creating market plan, marketing plans, with, you know, testing in Europe, with, with figuring out how, how this can benefit patients the best. So we're doing all of these aspects. So it's much more than an algorithm. It's how it fits into practice. Uh, You know how you interact with it. What what, what it tells the patient. What it tells the doctor. There's so many other aspects about it. How you keep validating after it's cleared or you know being used. And and so um, it's an exciting time. Yeah, it's interesting. I wasn't expecting this to be honest.
0: What's that? You weren't expecting this. I wasn't expecting this enormous amount of attention. (laughs) (laughs) And I can see it being a double-edged sword. what uh, what is the uh, your your relationship with uh, with IBM?
1: Yeah, that's it's, uh, a very good relationship. We we we, we realized you know we we're uh, an early stage company. We we have an you know, enormous amount of people being able to do the marketing and, and talking to governments and and state actors in Europe and and all sorts of healthcare systems. And so IBM has a, a lot of knowledge in that. And in addition, they know about AI. And, and you know, maybe Watson is a, this is a famous example. They won Jeopardy. They, they beat Gary Kasparov in, in chess. So this, they, they certainly know their way about artificial intelligence. Um, and you know, what we brought in is the expertise of how you bring this to patients, how specifically you can use AI for a very specific tasks, uh, meaning what a diagnostic that normally is, uh, a retinal specialist or any specialist in general uh, does. And so that's a very nice combination where the you know the enormous resources of IBM um, and the deep expertise in AI and a long history in AI is merged with our you know, deep expertise on the clinical side of it and how to get this through FDA and clearance and how you can make this safe. So
0: it's a it's a very nice uh, combo. And was it difficult uh, negotiating that relationship? I mean, it's unlike other strategic and strategic relationships in in medtech or in, in diagnostics, where you're working with uh, a medical company, where you both sort of bring the same skill sets uh, or at least the same understanding of spaces to the deal. Uh, was it was it difficult arranging or, or coming to an agreement with with IBM? What was that process like?
1: Well, no, I don't think of a particular problems in the, in the process so you know you again you show your expertise versus their expertise and you try to make it match together so it, it's a synergy right i mean instead of uh seeing well where are we doing the same thing and let's cut one of them now you see where where are we strong where are they strong how we can you know we can both stronger together so that's what we did and it took a few months but it you know it's, it's more the enormous size of ibm versus us where I can call anyone in two minutes and text them, you know, how do we think about this or that? Because IBM, we have, you know, five layers of people. We're still discovering people we're working with, which we do not know about. because And actually, you know, some people in IBM don't know that, that some other group is working on because it's such, such a giant company. So it's a bit harder to navigate, which is also interesting to learn about that, that type of environment. It's been an uh, interesting journey.
0: Well, it's a great story, and uh, we really will wa- be watching next spring. We will be hoping for the FDA approval and uh, look forward to following up with you uh, as you make progress. Yeah, I hope have more for- news very soon. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, everyone, that is a wrap. Dr. Michael Abramoff, thank you for joining us and for sharing your story. We look forward to hearing from the FDA, and wish IDX the best of luck going forward. MedTech Talk podcast listeners, thank you for joining us. Please help us out if you would give us a ranking on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or uh, or anything else. It uh, helps other folks find the podcast. Tell your uh, colleagues and coworkers and friends about the MedTech Talk podcast directly. Let them know that uh, you enjoy these conversations and. They should be listening as well. Third, please do shoot me an email, tom at healthag.com. It's the word health, followed by letters E G Y.com. Healthag is the producer of the MedTech Talk podcast and our MedTech Conference, which is happening on May 31st in Minneapolis at the Lowe's Minneapolis Hotel. So please circle that date and make sure you're there at our MedTech Conference. Finally, do subscribe to the MedTech Talk podcast. Just uh, if you're listening to this on a phone or a tablet, you'll find the subscribe button. Push that a few times, and you will have future podcasts sent directly to your listening device. That's it. Thanks so much for joining us. Again, tune in next week for another great tale of innovation on the MedTech Talk podcast.